Berto, have you ever been to a landmark forum course? I have mostly. Do you, do you know? So what 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 was it like? Can you give me like a brief thing about landmark? I want to get more into it later, but can yeah. you just give the listeners like a brief synopsis of what you experienced when you went to the landmark forum? It was both at the same time extremely boring and very intimidating. <laughs> it's like extremely loud and incredibly close. <laughs> yeah. Extremely boring and incredibly intimidating. Um, yeah, I, I've been to Landmark courses too, and that's what I want to talk about today. A patron asked us to talk about it, so a patron's wish is our command. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am a professor and a therapist. My name is Humberto Casaneda. I design really overly complex board games. You remember Lita, right? I do, of course. Our first third Lovely co-host. Lita, meter maid. She was uh, the one of the founding members of Psychology in Seattle, That's and right. people who go back that far would remember her. Well, she was huge into Landmark in the 90s. Oh. She was a big Landmark person. Landmark and most of my knowledge is actually through her because she would invite me to different activities and, mm. and courses and, and would talk a lot about it. And so I, I certainly, um, you know, experienced... I I, most, of my, most of my personal knowledge is through here. Now, disclaimer time. Before moving forward, I want to warn people about something. In this episode, we're going to talk about Landmark from several angles, some positive angles, some negative angles. So I'm positive that I'm going to get hate mail from people who love Landmark. There are particular topics in the world that seem to trigger hate mail from some people, and I'm positive that landmark is one of those things so if this episode makes you want to write me hate mail i want you to listen to me very carefully it is my position that landmark is generally a good thing many people have benefited from it lita my good friend benefited from it and research shows that people benefit from it but i also have some critiques about it and other people do as well in my world, in the world of academia, in the world of clinical work, everything must be critiqued and questioned and looked at. Otherwise, we are at risk of doing harm to clients and the public. You know, whenever we discover a new therapy or a new phenomenon, we, we always do a ton of research to exactly know what it is that we're looking at. We can't just go off our own opinion because history shows that can lead to very bad things. Mm -hmm. This is the core of the scientific process. Until you gather the empirical data, until you actually question your beliefs, you don't really know what you're looking at. So as I critique Landmark and provide positive and negative angles to it, understand that a critique is not a condemnation. A critique is a critique, and a condemnation is a condemnation. These are very different things. Now, black and white thinkers might have some trouble with that distinction, but you know, try to try to understand that there's a humongous difference between a critique and a condemnation. I can critique my friend Umbeto, but I'm not going to condemn him for having a couple flaws. What couple flaws? What? 
So I just want to say there's nothing wrong with loving Landmark, but there is something wrong with suppressing the critique of it. And there is something wrong with attacking people who question something that you love. You know, there's something wrong with that. And and it's not – you can provide a counterargument or you can provide other data if you want, but if you react emotionally against people who question something you like – it's possible that your love for that thing is either fragile or insecure or something. You know, I love the Beatles. And I heard just the other day a younger person in their 20s were saying, the Beatles, aren't they just like, don't they just write like kids songs? Like, <laughs> and and I, I was like, kids songs? <laughs> like, what? Like, you know, the Yellow Submarine, Rocky Raccoon. Yeah. Kids songs. And I, I thought, oh, well, I guess if you only heard like a few of the songs and you weren't really aware of it, I could see how you could say that. And I didn't, I didn't say anything to the person. I just, I, I reacted like out of confusion and then I was sort of angry. And then I was like, oh, well, probably from their perspective, since they don't have much exposure, <laughs> that that's what it's like for them. No big deal. I'm confident enough in my love for the Beatles that I don't need anyone else to validate that. And if people want to criticize the Beatles and call the Beatles terrible, I will just say, okay, that's cool, man. You know, whatever you, whatever floats your boat, you know? Well, that's a clear diagnosis of some disorder, but fine. Right. I mean, clearly the person <laughs> is insane. But beyond that, I'm fine with insanity. And, you know, I can, I can relate to the description of Beatles as kids' music because when I, when I was a kid, I, I would go to uh, this daycare and in, in Oak Brook, uh, Tacoma. And actually, they would play a lot of the Beatles songs, but not all of them. They would play Octopus's Garden, Yellow Submarine, uh, you know, like the, the ones that were Maxwell's Hammer. Maxwell's, oh, that one's a little darker. But we actually did a skit to Yellow Submarine. Mm-hmm. And I think I've ta- talked about this in the podcast before. I always thought it was, we all live in the yellows of marine. <laughs> so I thought it was like there was yellows this place marine, marine and it was all like yellow. <laughs> it's like, oh, we live in the yellows of marine. <laughs> Even though we had a cutout, a cardboard cutout of a submarine that we were all hiding behind, I, like the, I didn't connect the dots. <laughs> well, you might not have known what a submarine was. I, I don't know. I was little, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was when I was 29. <laughs> yeah. For me, I actually dislike those songs. I don't like Maxwell's Silverhammer. I don't like... I mean, Yellow Submarine is actually, of the kids' songs, I'm okay with it probably uh-huh. the most. Uh, Octopus's Garden. I can't, I can't... I mean, they're fine. They're fine <laughs> songs. They're well-crafted. Uh-huh. But And I used to like them kind of when I was younger. But... Now I have they just you know they put Beatles on Reddit I mean not Reddit <laughs> on Spotify <laughs> uh-huh. and I made a Beatles playlist and all those songs are not included not in that playlist. <laughs> yeah, I so think so I agree. That. I agree. Like those songs are pretty silly, but you know, to those people out there that think that Beatles is just a bunch of like children's songs. They have I don't how many songs did they, did they record like hey bungalow bell yeah what did you kill everybody's got something to hide except, except for me and my, my monkey. monkey I think they're right they're kids songs yeah happiness is a warm gun oh Uh-oh. my god okay before moving on I did karaoke like uh, recently and 
thought I could sing Happiness is a Warm Gun. Uh-huh. I cannot. I mean, that's not. You. <laughs> well, not only that, but it's in a very weird meter. It's like four songs crammed oh, into sure. one, and I didn't know when the when to come in. <laughs> anyway. uh-huh. All right, what is landmark form? This is from the website. Bring about positive, permanent shifts in the quality of your life. Again, bring about positive, permanent shifts in the quality of your life. It's a pretty big claim there. To permanent, yeah, permanent. Create power, freedom, full self-expression, and peace of mind, registered trademark, for your future. Mm-hmm. Create power, freedom, full self-expression, and peace of mind, with that little R mm-hmm. above peace of mind, as they, if they've registered peace of mind. Yeah, they're the first ones to ever. For your future. <laughs> I mean, I don't get, how could you register, I mean, that R, you know, like we have yeah. psychology in Seattle. Yeah, right. Because I've registered that trademark. Like peace of mind. But you can't register peace of mind. Were the, maybe they were the first ones to use that expression. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh, paraphrase. This is all paraphrased from their website. The course is conducted over three days and a one-evening session in a seminar setting, usually between 75 and 250 participants. How many people were at your t- uh, when you were there? 7,500? About 100. Okay. The classes last from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. or midnight. So they, they're pretty much from the point you wake up till the point you go to bed. Yeah. Nearly all participants report that Landmark improved their relationships, their confidence, their productivity, and their enjoyment of life. So again, just to repeat that, 94%, nearly all participant, participants report that Landmark improved their relationships, improved their confidence, improved their productivity, and improve their enjoyment of life. And again, they claim permanent shifts in the quality of life. So, uh, Landmark claims it's been growing steadily for years. I saw reports saying that more than 100,000 people in the world participated in Landmark courses over the span of a year. So mm-hmm. each year, 100,000 people are participating in it, which isn't huge, but but big enough. You yeah. Know? Uh, its revenues are around like $50 million a year or something like that, which again isn't huge. It's not like they're raking in billions of dollars. It's not like Amway. Right. It's not like this podcast. That's right. Um, So, Berto, tell us the full story of your experience with Landmark. Uh, Absolutely. So, first of all, for some reason... Yeah, this happened recently. Um, For some reason, even though I had heard the name, I really had never looked into it or been aware of what it was. I, I don't think that's surprising. I think you'd have to have someone close to you who was really into it for, mm-hmm. for you to really know about it. Okay. Because unlike, for example, well, maybe it's true also of Amway, but I feel like by this point, so many people have heard of Amway over the years that maybe because they have been proposed by someone they know or something. So like, I feel like Amway is a thing that Everyone knows about, but Landmark's not one of those. No, no. Yeah, yeah Landmark is on a whole yeah. smaller, yeah. and it's probably largely West Coast. Is I mean, it's around the world, apparently. They have, right. like, offices all over the world, but it's it's sort of a new-agey, right. left-coast kind of thing. So my first encounter with it was that uh, I was sitting at home last year, over a year ago, maybe a year ago, somewhere like that, and... It was like 11 p.m. at night. Maybe it was 10 p.m. at night. <clears throat> and out of the blue, I received a phone call 
from a friend who I've had for many, many years. And Was who, this a year ago? It's about, yeah. Because I got the same phone call. Right. And I, I hadn't gotten a call from this person in a long time. Right. Uh, and it's not like we were on the outs, but we hadn't been talking a lot, right? But the biggest thing is that the call was specifically to sort of make amends and really honestly like, talk about how this person had uh, how they from even from their perspective how they had offended me or affected me or, or you know negatively impacted my life. So I was like, "What?" It was really, and we ended up having like a two-hour conversation. And honestly, it was it was. I thought it was the, longer than that. I thought it was like yeah, maybe it was long. Like it was really hours. long. Yeah, and and it was honestly one of the most, if not the most, real conversations I had ever had with this individual, because it was almost like. You know, all these other years, if I was going to tell them, like, listen, you have an issue with this or this affected me, there was always a veil of like, yeah, 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 I get it, but I don't really get it. This time it was like, no, I think he sort of kind of gets it. This is weird. Okay. So that was like, but but at the time he didn't really, he sort of explained, yeah, I'm doing this thing called Landmark. And so this is one of the, the steps. And I was like, okay. I didn't look into it any further, but I thought it was interesting. That was he, he at the course that day? That was so you're the, the one of the first people he called. Yeah. Or maybe right. the first person he called. It could be, yes. Interesting. Yeah. So okay. this was a good friend yeah. that you just haven't been hanging out with yeah. for a while, but back and, back in the day was a very good friend. And who had done some as you know, you know, because you know who this is, had done some some taken some actions throughout our friendship that were that were repeating re- repetitively uh, abusive towards yeah, me, right? And so to hear em- from emotionally, him, yeah, emo- emotionally or verbally, yeah. like, you know, putting you down, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and, and attacking you. me personally and all these things, yeah. And and to and so to hear this kind of conversation from him and have this kind of conversation actually was really healing for me. It was really good. Mm. Okay, so that happened. A long time afterwards, um, same person. He invited me out uh, for for uh, some drinks after work and he was talking a little bit more about this this thing that he had been doing and then he, he did tell me it was landmark and blah blah um i thought it was interesting but I, I i personally was not interested in it i just i thought it was interesting he was doing it and i could tell he was sort of softly trying to sell me on it yeah but to his credit uh which is actually against what they tell you to do he was not pushing it he was just sort of telling me his story and would say things like, oh, you might actually maybe find it interesting. You know, so I actually, I, I respected him for that and I didn't take offense or anything. Um, then in the fall, like I think September, maybe even it was August, somewhere around there, um, he, he told me, hey, uh, I want to invite you to a graduation that I'm having because I'm, I'm graduating from one of these courses. Mm. And so I was like, oh, okay, that sounds great. So me and some of his other uh, friends showed up um, to this graduation. Yeah. Now, the thing that... I think I might have been invited to that, but I, I was busy or something. Okay. Now, the thing that he mentioned to us... Incidentally, just to throw in here, he called me as well. Mm-hmm. And although I'm not as close with him... He had a very similar sort of uh, tact with me, making mm-hmm. amends and just having a real, you know, conversation, friend yep. to friend, yep. honest conversation about 
insecurities and sadness and difficulty and mm-hmm. regret. And um, uh, so, yeah. And then, yeah. then I think he invited me to that graduation thing, I'd, and I didn't yeah. go. So he had he had kind of given us given us a heads up that they were going to try to invite us to join. Yeah. However, which is I just have to say again negative critique here with the caveat that this is very useful for for a lot of people. Yeah. Calling it a graduation is a little sleazy. Yes, yes, it is because 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 if someone asks you to come to their graduation, you're a dick if you don't go. But if someone invited you to come to a sales pitch uh, seminar, right. then you're going to be like, no, I, I don't want to go to some sales pitch yeah. seminar. And I have to say that in my experience with, with Landmark through Lita in the 90s, this, that's totally what would happen. Yeah, She would invite me to things that were couched in a way that did not reveal at least one of its functions, if not its primary function, yeah. which is to recruit new members, which, that was, which feels very, it feels betraying in a way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It feels, I don't mind someone saying, look, can you come to this graduation thing? It's also a sales pitch thing, I, you know, but yeah. So if you don't want to come, it's cool, but it kind of would mean a lot to me if you came because I'm going to do this thing. But just so, be ready to be sold a couple of things, you know what I mean? And, and don't, and don't think like you have to do it, blah, blah, blah. So, so my friend, like, and that would case, be fine. That would be fine. Yeah, I, I think that would be, uh, because you could say no. You could make your own decision, right? I, my friend in this case uh, sort of broke their rules because I am convinced that he was only supposed to say, graduation. "Come to my graduation." Right. He sort of, I wouldn't call it warned me, but he gave me a heads up that they would try to ask me to join. Now, I didn't care because I've been through the worst of the worst of timeshare pitches <laughs> and I've survived and I've been through Amway pitches and all these things. So but you like, also have kind of a spending problem. No, I, I used to. But you, I think you still have a threat of that still. Mm, I mean, you I haven't mean, acted I, it out. But. I've been, I, I don't know if I told you my Vegas uh, timeshare story, yeah. but uh, if, if I could survive that one, which I'll be happy to share, I can survive anything. Okay. Uh, so at this point, I really consider myself... Uh, well, let me put it this way. I consider myself immune to the uh, what I used to do, which was the impulse buy. Yeah. The impulse buy. I'm not saying that I will not – I still sometimes buy things that I later regret. That's true. But I used to buy everything on impulse. Yeah. Like, I'm just saying like oh my on God. the scale of compulsive spending, you're much better now. But you're not like – there are certain people that I would guarantee you would never – give in to anything like that. Do you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. And and I'm not saying that's a bad thing about yeah. you. I'm just saying, because I'm kind of that way too. Like I I like to... But I, I, the reason I'm actually pushing back a little bit is because this plays into it. This is actually part of the theme that came up. So what happens is, so I get there. Well, actually, I, I have oh, to yeah. take a break and there's a lot more of this story, but let's take a break. What do you say? Yep. Okay, we're back. If you haven't become a patron of the podcast, please do so by going to patreon.com. When you go to patreon.com and become a patron of the podcast, you get access to all of our premium episodes, of which there's, I don't know, maybe a hundred of them or something. And you don't have to listen to advertisements, and you get all these special things, and we respond to your emails more readily and all that kind of stuff. Okay, Umberto, continue with your story, please. Okay, so I arrive at this quote-unquote graduation, and immediately I realize that it is 
0.01% graduation and 102% sales pitch. Oh, no. No, immediately. Oh, God. Now, a few interesting things start happening. When I, when I get there, they, you're supposed to fill out name tags and put your name tag on, which is not unusual. Um, I grab my name tag, and they had misspelled. Oh, you don't fill out. They, they had printed your names. That's what it was. They had misspelled my name. Uh, so, as an example, instead of Umberto, it might have said Umerto or something like this. Some, one of the many common spellings that happened. Uh, no big deal, but I decided to flip the card around and write my name myself. So, I wrote it, but I wrote it upside down. And I put it, because you know me, I'm, I do weird things. So, I put my name tag on my thing, and it's just that it was upside down. Um, inevitably. Uh, Not almost, Inevitably. <laughs> Well, almost everyone pointed out that it was upside down. All the staff. Yeah. And so, so I would meet them and they're like, do you know that you're, and I'm like, oh yes, yes, I do. And, and I thought it was fine until at some point, one of the staff members, kind of one of the coordinators says like, oh yeah, you really need to turn it around. Did we mess up your thing? It's like, oh yeah, but it's no big deal. Okay. But you really like, we'll print on a new one for you. It's like, no, no, it's fine. No, no, we do. We do need to. And I was like, oh, Okay. So they gave me a new one, and I put it in, and I flipped it upside down anyways. And they're like, uh, you really need to have that right side up. And I was like, okay, but it's just, it's like, yeah, you really need to. So I finally was like, okay, I gave up. I just put it right side up. What do you think about that? Well, that was one of several trends that I started noticing of this authoritor- authoritarian kind of approach to it, like... um, you don't get to make the rules. You're there. You follow these very, very specific rules. There's no argument. Right. So another. How do you feel about that? I felt a little like I'm someone who values a creative environment, and I felt like, wow, that's the like it's not a friendly, welcoming, creative environment. It's a we don't get your joke. We don't want to get your joke. You need to flip the name tag. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of bizarre when you yeah. think about it because for people out there, if you've ever been to an event that has a name tag, of which, you know, there are occasionally, think about a time when someone, like there was the name tag police going around making <laughs> sure that you did it in a very particular way. Yeah, right. Especially since you're a guest, Right. You're not a member. Right. You're a guest. Right. And someone is is barking commands at you. I mean, that would really rub me wrong. I mean, yeah. that, that yeah, I I would be like, uh, fuck off, pal, <laughs> like move move away. Right. Like I don't in fact, here's the name tag, take it back. Right. I'm here for this so-called graduation. I'm not here to please you. Who the fuck are you? Is what <laughs> I'd fucking say. You know what I mean? So, I sit down and they start the thing. And at first they do the, okay, well, graduation, happy, everyone's congratulations. And they have a few people come up and give their, their story of what they've been up to and all these things. Uh, and that's fine. Then, then they start doing these things where they have us share with the person next to us. And so I was like, oh, okay, so this is where it starts. So they sit you with, they specifically sit you not next to your friends, but next to like these coordinate, these moderators. And you Sales have to, people. basically, yeah. And so you have to share something, and I forget exactly what it was, but you know, I have to say like... How many people what is, uh, are in the audience? Uh, well, each person was supposed to bring like three people. So... Uh, Hundreds? I, I think, no, no, no. This is maybe like 80 people. Okay. This is not a huge room yet, because this isn't... And the, so they coordinate 
basically volunteers yes. to sit next to every single yes uh, guest rube. Yeah. Okay. And so then we start telling these like stories, like they're you know. So tell me something that's going on in your life or something like that, and then the other person does too, and then you start sort of like giving each other ideas and feedback and stuff like that. So far, so good. Everything fine. Um, then this happens. I'm talking to this gal and we're having a good conversation. She flips into, you know how when you, maybe when you were first thinking that you wanted to be a therapist, maybe you might have thought that you knew what a therapist was about. Maybe you would have tried to pretend like you were a therapist. And you, Well, imagine someone that's not so good at, the, at this thing. Right. And so she immediately starts trying to counsel me. Right. But she's jumping way to conclusions and like making too many assumptions. But I'm just sort of like going along with it because I'm just here for my friend anyways. But but as I start saying things like, yeah, that could be, although there is this, I start feeling this pressure of like, no, maybe you haven't thought about it enough. Like like she she's really questioning right off the bat my own conclusions about the things I've talked about. And 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 I'm thinking to myself, you know, I, I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to show me how insightful they immediately could be that maybe I could learn something from this. But they're messing up because maybe she's not good enough or something. But they're immediately making it too trivial. Like, uh, my life's not that trivial. The, the thing you're proposing, trust me, I've thought about it, tried it, it doesn't work or whatever. And you're either way, you're trivializing the problem down to nothing. And so I'm like, but I, you know, I'm just like going along with it. Okay. Now, towards the end so, of the- side note. When I was just as it was going to sidejack, yeah, I think it's relevant. I was at a Wenchel's in Factoria. Remember the Wenchel's in Factoria? Yeah, across the street from the cinema. And I'm sure I was just hanging out there because I never had money. Or no, I was 17, 18. And I filled out this this card, which is sitting with the salt and pepper. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's this little card, and, and it said like personality survey. I think I might have talked about this before. And send this, fill out this form, send it in, and we'll send you a, a, a personality assessment. So I fill it out, you know, and I, I mail it in. And soon I get this report in the mail. And it has my, it has like some personality metric, you know, like you're high in this and you're low in this and you're high in, you know, uh-huh. you, you, you're, you know, it's all like your the credit score. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it had 10 different domains, and I remember two being, like, really low, bad. And then you get an appointment with a professional, some kind of, <laughs> on the phone. No, 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 it was in person. Okay. So it was in Bellevue, and I went to Bellevue, and I sit down with this woman, and so I'm like, I must have been really bored or something. In, <laughs> like, this is senior year in high school, uh-huh. and just, like, nothing to do, you know? I just remember just, because I'd already got into UW, uh-huh. University of Washington, and I was, like, trying to get Ds because I was like, I'm not going to work any harder than I need to. <laughs> and I football was over, and I just remember just being, like, aimless, you know? I just couldn't wait for the next chapter of my life. So I went to this. But anyway... She did the exact same thing with me. She starts, she's, she's, I mean, she was older. She seemed old to me, but yeah. she's probably like 22. And she's grilling me about, she's like, okay, this looks pretty good. This looks pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And, but she's like, but look at this one. 
And it was like it was like the third item out of ten that we were going to talk. We were going to talk about all ten, but we spent the next hour and a half talking about that <laughs> third item. And she was really trying to get me to admit that I had a flaw and that I was that I had all these problems that sort of like blossomed out of there. And she's making all these assumptions, you know, in the exact same way that was you were it describing. Scientology? Yes. Oh, it was. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> So I didn't know. I did. I had no idea what Scientology oh. was. I remember seeing TV ads for L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics. Dianetics, yeah, on TV. It was this animated uh, I volcano. Re- I, I, I watched that too on TV. Yeah, and I remember just being like, "What the hell is that?" You I always know? thought it was the coolest thing. I didn't know what it was, but yeah. Dianetics. That's I just crazy. remember thinking, "Oh, it's like a self help book or something. Like it's a advice book. I, that's all I thought it was. But it's actually about like Xenu. I didn't even shit. know that. I thought it was a science thing." Like, Dianetics oh. was an actual science. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't wait till I study Dianetics. <laughs> well, anyway, so eventually she starts to kind of cry because, because it's, oh. been, it's been an hour. I think we ended up talking literally for an hour and 15 minutes. And we never got to the, you know, six uh. other, seven other items. And the whole time she's trying to convince me. And I'm not attacking her. All I am doing is just like, because I'm like you. I, I've been thoughtful since I was like 13 I, sure. and philosophical. And I don't know, at the time I was probably stupid, but I had answers for things. And I had, I had already thought about everything she was throwing out at me. And I was just, I felt the same way. Like you're, you, you don't even know me yeah. and you're making all these assumptions and let me tell you how what you're saying is, is wrong. <laughs> because what's the chance that a random person could just look at a psychometric and just spout about your life? It's hard. That's, yeah. a, that's a skill. And even the good people are pretty bad at it when it comes to actual individuals. You have to actually interview a person. And, and then there's this trick too, which is that if, if what she said resonates with you, it's too trivial. Because especially at, at your age, yeah. If what she says kind of attacks you in some way or feels like like it, it challenges you, then the right way to approach that isn't this confrontational way anyways because yeah. that's not going to resonate with you. Right. That's why with a therapist, they don't come out and tell you, this is all the stuff that's wrong with you. Right. right. But it's motivated uh, interviewing in yeah. that she, these two women were trying to get us to, to think that there was something wrong with us. So that they could provide an answer, which is their product. Yeah. And I just have to say, like, I didn't know about this whole step that you went through. Yeah. I knew you went to the course, but you yeah. didn't describe this, this is, step to me. Right. This is before the course. Yeah. Well, which I have to say is super fucking sleazy. I mean, if if you were not as strong as you are in terms of your personality, in terms of your self-confidence, I would find it extremely hard to fight back. Right against that well and so and this is how i ended up uh, connecting several dots so what happened again caveat many people who go love it it actually does help them the advice that landmark eventually gives which we'll get into in a second is not bad advice right they don't tell you to kill anyone or and and the classes aren't actually even that expensive when you compare to other kinds of trainings so i just want to say that but this step I just have to say, is super cheesy. I mean, I'll tell another story another day about a time when I went to the, the almost the exact same thing that you're going through, but they were trying to sell me to be a knife salesman. Okay. They, they said it was a job, and they said, you know, and yeah, yeah. I answered an ad, and I went in, and the exact same thing they had. 
they had Rube uh, salesperson, Rube salesperson, and the salesperson were acting like Rubes. And anyway, so so th- this is something I want to touch on because um, you brought up that you know I in my past I have been a, an easy mark for a lot of things that cost money. Now, what's interesting is usually where I spent the money was related to some sort of merchandise. Yeah. Something that I already wanted, actually. Like, for example, um, one time uh, I wanted um, I, I wanted a magazine subscription because I, I kind of wanted. But around the same time, I got one of those calls that were like the Time Life subscriptions or whatever. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a great deal. I get like 10 magazine subscriptions, blah, blah, blah. And I just did it, even though it cost me. And then I eventually had it struggled for years to get out of that stupid thing, right? Um, same thing, you know, we talked about like me buying tons of clothes or me buying tons of music equipment or things like that. Um, but one thing that sort of happened to me very young was I, I bought a timeshare when I was uh, 23. And... And going through that process and then seeing that even to this day, I still have that timeshare and I've never been able to get rid of it. (laughs) That actually sort of left a really bad taste in my mouth for those categories of things. Uh, The other thing that happened is also when I was quite young, I think 24, maybe 25, a friend of mine had gone into Amway. And as a favor to him, I went to one of those presentations. But they rubbed me so wrong because the whole theme was work is stupid you're an idiot if you work look at my rolex look at my yacht that was the whole theme and so and then and then i actually was like i mean they sort of have a product they could sell to me in a different way but i'm obviously not their target customer because this sounds like gross and then even years later uh another uh, they they uh, amway morphed into something called quickstar they had like this little side thing called quickstar that was a digital they 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 approached me saying hey i'm a headhunter for a a tech company called quickstar and i was like oh okay and at the time i was working at another tech company so i met this person at a starbucks that should have been a sign and then they explained all these things and halfway through and i'm like is this amway it's like no this is not amway which was a flat lie, like flat out lie. Because later that evening, after I had driven behind him to this other place, it, they, they explained like, yeah, this is the evolution of Amway, right? And I actually asked the guys, I'm like, hey, listen, could I buy your product and then sell it on my own terms? I don't want to wear a suit. I don't want to attend these conferences. I don't want to do these things. But I'll buy some of the product and I'll sell it on my own terms because I think I could probably move some of this product. They're like, no, that's not how it works. You have to be in the in this. These it, people you know. are fucking immoral. I mean, I, I this happened. This happened to me too. I met a guy in a Starbucks, and I to this day, I don't. I my it's a little foggy. It was like the early nineties. I forget what he was trying to sell me on. But you know, if your product is good enough, it, it'll sell with truth, right? Because this all relates to therapy, by the way, right? When. I have a therapy business. I've had a therapy business for almost 20 years. I'm trying to get clients to come to me, right? Now I don't need that. I'm actually, there's a strange upsurge of clients calling me. I'm turning away clients almost every day. And I feel terrible about it because it it (laughs) hasn't always been this way for me. But I've been, there were times like right after the housing crisis in 08 that my practice was down to like one or two clients a week. And I I was, that was my whole job. I wasn't working at Antioch at the time, but in the podcast, I was 
about to lose my house. I was about to be on the streets. Right. I was I was gonna I was like I guess I'll move back in with my parents at the age of thirty seven, and I was desperate for for clients, uh-huh. but I never would have tricked someone into having a conversation with me. I'm going to always just say, please. And then when they came to me, I I always say at the end of the first session, I say, I want you to think about whether or not you want to work with me. Go home, think it over, and then email. I never, I rarely, unless people are like, no, no, I really want to make an appointment for next week. I'll be like, okay. But I always start with, go home, think about it, don't, make a decision about whether or not I'm your therapist while you're sitting in my office because yeah. it's hard to think straight. You know, I want right. you to go home and really think about it. And so it, why do I do... I, I don't have to do that. I could be more pressuring to people. Right. I could... Man, there are so many ways you can manipulate someone in a first session to make them feel sure. as though therapy is like super awesome. Like There are ways of making people cry to, you can sort of break them down, particularly like people who are susceptible to this sort of thing. And it would, pr- I don't know, but it would probably raise the possibility that they'll stick with me or stick with me for a long time. And that is like, it's, that's immoral. Like not only is it unethical and, you know, just sort of poor behavior, but it's immoral to trick people and to try to coerce them into something that they don't come to naturally. Now, what people at Landmark will probably say or Amway will say is like, you need to get people over the hump because it's so great over here. Yeah. But like I said, if something is so great, it will attract people naturally. Like therapists in general don't have to do these tricky tactics because therapy is worth something. Yeah. It's a good thing, not for everyone. And for the people that's not good for, they shouldn't go to therapy. Right. But for the percentage of people that come to therapy and spend money and time on it, it actually helps them, and it's worth their time and energy. And I've never advertised myself. <laughs> I've never had – it's just like uh, let the product speak for itself. Let right. word of mouth speak for itself. So, yeah. Well, so that's 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 where it started coming to a head for me in that, in that uh, pitch – sale pitch – uh, at the end of that, what they do is they bring in the heavy hitter. We have to take a break, and then I want to hear about the heavy hitter. All right, we're back. Berto, tell me about the heavy hitter. Is this like... Is this, the heavy now, hitter. Again, I just want to say that Landmark is a wonderful thing for a lot of people. Lita, whom I love, one of my best friends, if she, if she were sitting here, she'd be like, Kirk, you don't understand. Like, Landmark, I was... She was involved with it for at least a few years heavily yeah like there were times when i would hang out i remember one time we went to like this sailing boat and we were hanging out with her and her landmark friends and they were like super cool philosophical open super like communicative and and artistic people they were like really rad people i I really liked them and they loved landmark so it's not it's not they're not sleazy people that it's what I have a problem with with Landmark are that it's the system yeah. that that they follow uh, rigidly, and because honestly, if you just made the the classes known to people, it would probably sell itself. You wouldn't have to resort to these 
sleazy tactics, you know? And of course, they would say it's not sleazy. We're trying to like introduce people to the thing. But when you call it a graduation and you proceed to spend the entire time sell and you and you you sit rube uh, you know volunteer rube volunteer it's yeah. i mean come on yeah and and so and then this was this you'll even go ballistic on this one so uh so she's telling me uh you know i'm explaining to her what i'm into what i like and one of the things i say is like well i love music right and uh she's like no you don't no just like no actually it's it's the opposite <laughs> oh no she tried to latch on to that it, again this is like that kind of the amateur technique she goes uh, after I said, like, you know, I don't, I do music, but, you know, I have all these other uh, things that I do now and stuff like that. She said, you know, I sense in you that you're really strong musically. And I think oh, God. you should pursue that. This is like just like four or five months ago or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and and after meeting me for, you know, like 10 minutes or whatever. So she, she goes, I sense in you. Oh, my God. And so she's saying, I really think you need to go after this, right? Oh, thanks. Thank you. It's been fair. Okay. But so then, I, I, you know, I'm humoring. I'm like, oh, well, thank you. That's really nice. Okay. So then <laughs> she says. Dumbass. Then like, she says. I mean, if you were 19, like maybe, yeah, but, yeah. you know, you're. Well, and it's based on nothing. It's not like she actually analyzed the whole lay of the land. But even if, <laughs> but the fact that. She's just making this assumption like you've never actually pursued your music. Right, right. Of which you have fucking pursued right. since you first started singing. That's you know right. what I mean? And, and, and it's a very kind of trivial statement to make. Like, plus, something that they pro- that probably actually works maybe 60% of the time to oh, tell yeah. someone, you should follow your passion, right. right? Actually, psychics do the same thing. So then she says, so listen, I think you would really benefit from the Landmark Forum. Oh, God. And I say, you know what? Um, actually, I might. It, it sounds like a three-day focus time I might have. Um, I will think about it. And she's like, oh, what is there to think about? It's like, well, I mean, I got to like do research. I got to like actually think about it. And she says, and she says what, what's stopping you? I say, nothing's stopping me. I just, I'm not going to make a decision tonight. Because this is classic sales pitch. Of course. Yeah. And so then that's when the heavy hitter. For those that don't know, (laughs) when you're selling uh, uh, someone on something, if you, you want them to get to a point where they say that. And and, because the idea is, is that the percentage of people that walk out of the room saying, I'll think about it is, is pretty low. Uh, that response they'll up, that yeah. they'll actually fuck because a lot of people will say that because they're either actually on the fence and then once you once they get out of that emotional landscape they return to their senses and say no that's right or they're actually not on the fence and they're just saying that to appease nice, you right. but it's a way that you can as a salesperson kind of get in because it's right. like oh they're not saying no right. so I can use that against them essentially it's just like they're saying that they're on the fence, so I can... That's right. So now I've got to ask them, well, what's stopping you? Because there's really no viable answer to that question. You know, well, and, and, right. And I didn't bite, because normally what, like, what would happen, especially what I used to do when I was younger, and I would absolutely give in to all the sales tactics, would be, um, so what's stopping you? And I might say something like, well, you know, money's tight, or, well, you know, next month is going to be busy. And no, they and have an like, answer for that. They have an right? answer. So when she said, so what's stopping you? I said... Nothing. <laughs> I'm just not going to make a decision tonight. Right. Right. Now, at this point, she calls or or the the heavy hitter joins it. He's the guy who did the main presentation. Yeah. He's this very slick guy. He's been around the block a billion times. No nonsense. He knows what's up. He sits down. And he says, 
how you doing? You know, and I say, I say, oh, I'm doing great. Actually, I think I'm going to take three boxes of the soap and two of the shampoos. <laughs> he stares at me without a reaction. <laughs> and I go like, I'm just kidding. You know, I have to let him off the hook. And then he's just like, oh, okay. I, I that, that was a joke. And he's like very serious. And I was like, okay. So then I switch gears because I'm like, all right, I don't know what he's doing. But I'm like, I'm like, um, awkward. So, yeah. So I'm like, so, so I'm like, listen, I was just explaining to her that actually the, the forum sounds interesting because it's like three days. It's so funny because time. you did not go into this setting out to screw with them. No. You were, you went because you wanted to support your friend yes. on his quote unquote graduation. Yes. But just your natural way with people. <laughs> is so, like, <laughs> screwy with people. Well, especially because at this point, you know, one of my techniques is humor, right? So, like, at this point, it's such a cliche. Like, I'm sitting there with a salesperson and the hard seller comes in. Yeah. It's such a cliche. I yeah. had to make a joke. I know. Like, <laughs> to me, like, I, I don't know if I've just sort of passively learned, because I've never been a salesperson in my uh-huh. life. I don't... Well, I, 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 sold, I, I worked at um, Foot Locker. I was a, for a month, for uh-huh. four exact weeks. And then at the, at the end of the day, on the fourth week, I just quit. I said, I can't, because the boss was a super asshole. And the entire job was based on commission. So mm-hmm. when I worked out per hour, I was only getting like $3 per hour. Mm-hmm. I didn't, they didn't have a base seller. Anyway, the, the point is, is that over the years, I've just sort of passively, via culture or friends or something, right. picked up on all the classic sales techniques. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't believe that one, they people still fall for this shit. It works. That's why they're classics. And two, that people still use it because everyone, or at least a lot of people, know the technique. Yeah, but this is the thing with telemarketing and all those things, the spam emails. They don't have to get you. They just have to get like the 0.02% of people. Right. Okay. So at this point, I explain to both of them. I say... And so, that's why it's immoral because... Anyone who thinks about it for half a second realizes, yeah, like, right. the people who are who are vulnerable to this sort of technique are actually probably traumatized or neglected sure. or or lonely or suffering there in some way. There is a bit of predation that happens. There. Totally. So at this point, I explain to both of them. I say, okay, so here's the deal. I actually am intrigued by the three-day forum thing because it's a focused time, and there is one specific thing that I'm trying to solve mentally for myself. I've been trying to pick – I have, as you know, I have many different ideas of things that I, I would like to do. And I've been trying to like select one to really focus on. And so I thought, yeah, maybe I could use like some focus time. And I don't know what they're going to talk about, but maybe I could use this myself for – so I told them that. But I said, but here's the deal. I'm definitely not signing up tonight. And, and part of the reason and one of the main reasons is because I no longer do things on impulse. If I had been here 10 years ago, I might actually sign up on the spot – and that would be the problem. So I'm specifically not doing that. And of course, this, this didn't work. Like I was, there was part of me that was hoping that they would get it. Like, oh, I see. He is two steps ahead of this technique. So maybe we need to let, no, no. Well, it didn't or, work. or, oh, he just revealed that he used to have a problem. Or even, do, yeah, dive into that. <laughs> with, with, because you basically right. admitted that. Yeah. He used to have a problem with compulsive spending. Right. So 
I'm not going to be his heroine to this, like, to this. Instead. I'm going to, like, let this person have his healthy boundary. Right. If I'm truly interested in helping helping someone, then I would absolutely give someone. I mean, I wouldn't sell people on something anyway. I would just present and say, do you want it? And if you don't, then great. So, so no, they, they, they went right through it. So, but I told them, I'm like, I'm not making a decision today. So, it ended there. Right. So I suspect, and we don't know, and maybe you know, I don't think you do, in terms of what the compensation is for these two individuals if you do sign up. Do you know it, what I mean? I don't, yeah, you're right. There could be a bonus. Or is something. there a bonus or is it just social like accolades? Yeah, or, that's, I a don't know. that's a good question. That's a good question. You couldn't just get, my guess, you couldn't just get people to, to do this without some kind of major incentive. Well, they are trying to climb. There is a ladder system of the uh, like associates and then like the trainers and things like that. Uh-huh. So maybe that helps them climb. I don't know. Uh-huh. But I walked out of there without buying anything. I told them like, "Look, I'm gonna think what, about what this." What they I'm say? Gonna, they were. They stopped talking to me. Like she, she was nice, but he basically moved away and stopped talking to me. Like in a nice way. I was way? a lost cause. Not really. He was already rude to me because I had made a joke. And so he he really was like, uh, I, I, if I could put words in his mouth, he's like this motherfucker, you know. <laughs> and so he moved away. I was I was lost cause done. Uh, but he didn't realize that of all the people that night that didn't buy on the spot, I was the more likely to actually reconsider and think about it because I did mean what I said. I wasn't BSing him. Yeah. But he didn't catch on to. It. So I left and uh, I proceeded to. For the next few weeks, uh, I think what's, about what's it. funny. Just chiming in here is that you have a rebellious streak, yeah, or just a you have a contrarian streak. That's probably a better word mm-hmm. for it. You like to, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of mess with people, and 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 so you were already ready to like establish control, but at the same time, when he decided, okay, I'm done, you have a contrarian to that of like, <laughs> I'll show you, I'll sign up for it. Yeah, but I really, in this case, that's true. In this case, I actually, before they even did the hard sell, yeah, no, I you was had already been, like, like, no, this yeah, is in line. I mean, you, know. you go to therapy, you yeah. like to go to workshops. That's right. Like you, you, you like to self-improve. I, I was basically believing that I could, I could cut through the BS parts of it and maybe get some usefulness out of it. That's right. what I thought. So you decided to sign up? So I ended up deciding to sign up. Now, I, I, I found out... I went, How much was it? Um, like, I think for the three days, it was like 600 bucks. Okay. So it was... Which, like I said, on the scale of trainings is actually not that bad. That, that was the reason I also was like, okay, I've done stupid, stupid decisions in my life that were way more expensive than this. So if I'm going to actually focus for three days and be away from other stuff... Okay, six hundred bucks is not too bad. Unfortunately, it it didn't work. What do you mean? I well, I I mean, I bought the thing and I went, I went with the best intentions. Nine a.m. Nine a.m. Friday. Friday or Friday? Friday, yeah. Okay, so it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and uh, immediately the name tag thing again. The the name tag na- Nazis. Yeah. But then it goes worse. There, Did you get into altercations with the name no, tag Nazis? No, I was try I was actually I was trying to just you know, let's let's play by the book, let's see what's up, right? Okay. But dude, first of all, you sit down and and then I read online about this. This isn't an accident. They have these chairs that are extremely uncomfortable. Oh god. Like really, like you know, you know, like this chair I'm sitting on? Yeah. This is kind of an uncomfortable chair. No, yeah. no, no. 
like times 10 uncomfortable. Oh. And and you're going to be sitting on that for like 10 hours, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's the more first More than thing. 10 hours. I mean, but, nine, but, uh, th- yeah, 13 actually. hours. But right off the bat, it's uncom- it was not like an hour in. No, it's like you sit and you're like, God, this is uncomfortable. You're yeah. back, everything. Number two. Um, they, they don't let you get up either. They have this weird breaks thing. So I look at the schedule and there isn't even a lunch. Yeah. There's no lunch break. Right. There's a, there di- is a, there's a dinner, dinner break. Uh, yeah, dinner time. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Bathroom breaks are really weird. They have these very short bathroom breaks. And you think like, well, you could probably just get up at any time. It's like socially not acceptable for you to get up and go to the bathroom. Yeah. Another weird thing. I was so tired with the chair that I stood up and went to the back to stand up to stretch totally, my legs, right? Totally. This my guy, back, if my back, my lower back as a therapist right. and as a professor sitting all the time, I and I'm a and I'm a shifty person in my seat anyway. Mm-hmm fidgety person <laughs> that there is no way I could sit in a same particularly if it was particularly if it was uncomfortable right for longer than an hour right yeah so I, I went to the back and I was, this gal the coordinator the same one the same kind I, it's not the same person but the same kind that told me about name tags the other time she comes up and she's like um are you done stretching and I was like well, well sort of why I really need you to sit down. My God. And I was like, oh, well, the chairs are really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but I really need you to sit, sit down. Oh, my God. Uh, so I was like, okay. So I like sat down. <laughs> and then, um, so this is happening. Now, the whole well, time. What would have happened if you would have got up just to go to the bathroom? Like, I need to go to the bathroom. I did go to the bathroom. Yeah. And it, it's not that they physically stopped me. It's just that each time I went out, all the little coordinators sort of like looked. And then when I got back, they sort of looked again. And I was like, what, am I not supposed to be using the bathroom? I don't understand. Yeah. Now, here's the other weird thing. So I, I brought a note. Uh, I bought a moleskin notebook and brand new pencil so I could write my ideas. Oh, yeah. And stuff. So when the day started, I was writing. And I was taking some notes because you know what? The main moderator guy. He was t- saying some interesting things, like like you yeah. were probably about to cover. There's some interesting ideas. Yeah. And I was actually making some notes about it. And then, then I was writing some other ideas that were coming to mind and stuff like that. Very early on, like within the first hour, they say, um, now I see some of you maybe taking notes. I'm going to ask you to stop. Yeah. No notes. And I was like, what? Yeah. What the? It's like, I, we really need you to pay attention. Yeah. It's like I am all, paying attention. Yeah, first of all, like you don't know that is how I pay attention. Like right. I was like, what? So at first I sort of kept. So doing you have it, to but... sit quietly in an uncomfortable seat, do nothing. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then, but I'm still sort of giving it the benefit of the doubt to see if the content is there. Now, again, some of the things that he's saying, I'm like, okay, that's an interesting perspective, and I, and I can talk about those in a minute, but. But then I started noticing this. They, it, the, the, the way this works is he'll talk for a while. Just talk. And then they'll bring up a volunteer to talk about something. Like one of you? One of us. One of you people? Now, I start getting a little suspicious. I start feeling that there's got to be plants in this audience. There's got to be because some of these things are so perfect. But whether they're plants or not, what, what starts occurring to me is that these – Folks that are coming up and talking, they are going through some really traumatic stuff. They are or have been going 
going through some really traumatic stuff. And I start thinking, you know what? I feel like this could have been me if I were here 10 or maybe 15 years ago. And, and even then, none of my stories would be as traumatic as what this person is describing. Because it was stuff like, I just lost my brother. I just, my wife just left me. I got back from the war and I'm injured. and Like really big deal. Not like, you know, of course, I'm not minimizing my own trauma, but like, I had, you know, m- mother problems as a child, which is bad enough. But no, no, these were like happening now as we speak. So I was sitting there going like, if they're real, and I was assuming that they were, although some seemed plantish, plantish, but I was like, if they're real, I kind of understand why they're here. Given their other behavior, I wouldn't put it past I them put, yeah. to have a couple plants. But, but even if some of plants, I was like, okay, these people that are talking, if this is actually happening to them and this is what's going like, I, I understand why they're here. I, I wonder if this is actually the best environment or whether they should be in therapy. Maybe they're already in therapy. That was all going through my mind. But I did start realizing that it was, that I wasn't, that I didn't need that right now. Like, I wasn't at that place. Right. Like, if I were get, to get up to talk, I would feel like a complete buffoon because, you know, this person gets up and it's like, I just lost my mother and I've been taking care of my father and all these horrible things, right? And I'd get up and like, I'm trying to decide whether I should write a book or whether I should write a new song. Right. <laughs> and it's like, and you know, and I'm not saying I don't have hard stuff in my life, but that wasn't why I was there. You've already processed all those and things. And I have been through a lot of things, right? Yeah. So, so through the day, I started realizing, okay, I see. I, I'm not minimizing these people's stories, but the way that they're going about talking to them and stuff. Well, how are they going I, about it? Like what? Uh, like it's it's basically uh, the same thing that that gal was doing to me at the at the informational night. But the guy that was doing it was a, a lot better at it. He's really like obviously experienced at it. So he was asking uh, pointed questions, and then kind of as the person would answer, he'd say, "Well, tell me more about that." And then he wouldn't let them off the hook on spe- on specifics. And my understanding is that by Saturday it gets even hard, more hardcore and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. You, they try to break you down. And uh, well, they spoiler would alert: break. I didn't, I didn't return Saturday and Saturday. But, but, but the thing that I started—I wish you would have, man. Well, I mean, just for the podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, there were there were there were two main reasons why I didn't. Uh, the first one is that throughout the day. The things that they did say that I sort of got a couple of good ideas about, plus my own mental working, I was like, okay, what I actually need to do is there's these things I've been putting off um, that I haven't been doing that I need to get done both my from my work and some home things, house type things. And I thought, okay, so let me think about this. I could either spend the next two days, Saturday and Sunday, all day. 13 hours sitting here in these uncomfortable chairs listening to these people's problems or I could actually go and I and I made a deal with myself. Here's what I'm going to do. If I leave, I'm going to be here all, all today, but if I leave, I'm going to make a deal with myself that I'm going to spend the same amount of time but working on these things that I haven't been getting. Them. And I did. And so like Saturday and Sunday, I actually went into work and I, I, I spent like 12 hours both days getting stuff done that I hadn't been able to do, not just for work, but other things too. And it was the most productive weekend I have had in a long time. <laughs> so that was the deal I made with myself. I said, look, I already paid for this. So, um, so Landmark whatever. did transform your life. In a way they did, yeah. But the thing I wasn't ready to do is 
when I got home, I did this big debate that night, and I, I did a lot of reading online about Landmark because I was like, Am I, is this experience unique about these chairs? And as I started reading, I started seeing the patterns, and then it really scared me because I thought, first of all, even from that first day, guess what the 60% of the topic was about us registering for the follow-up forum mm-hmm. and for the for the pre for the I forget what they call it like the the advanced course and all these really? things. Really? Yeah, even from day 1. Day 1. A, a lot of the They've content, already got you. Yeah, but a lot of the content was already about that. Jesus. And so I was like, I see. And and the more I read about it, I started seeing Okay, number one, they absolutely do use these very, very kind of weird psychological torture manipulation tricks. Don't like that. Number two. You read about that? I read about that online. And I read accounts from people and stuff like that. Number yeah. two, it's going to continue. The sales pitch is never going to end. Right. Number three, they actually go through this process on Saturday and then Sunday that sounds somewhat risky psychologically. I wasn't so much concerned for me. But I didn't want to support that because I, I, I had heard these people tell these very yeah. difficult stories. And I was like, yikes, man. Yeah, we're going to get And they're in, in a room full of strangers, 100 strangers they've never met. And they're blaring open all these problems. So in the end, I decided that night, I made that deal with myself. And I said, I'm going to get something out of this weekend in my own terms. And that's what I did. It's a great story. Let's go to the break. And when we get back, I'll talk about the research and other kinds of critiques. Good and bad about Landmark. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. We're back from the break. little reminder to tell a friend or a colleague about the podcast. A lot of people learn about the podcast through word of mouth. Also, if you want to join our new Instagram, did you know I started an Instagram account, Berto? Oh, I for didn't. The, for the podcast. Oh, wait. You had mentioned you In were fact, I think I will make my first Instagram uh Post right now by posting a picture of you. Uh, crap, how do you use Instagram? Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to actually use this whole <laughs> thing, but uh, but here we go. Did you take one? Yeah. Actually. Okay. All right, I just Instagrammed you. Hey. So if you want to join the Psychology in Seattle Instagram, then great. I don't know how often I'll do anything on it, but it's uh, uh, I'm trying it out. I tried out Twitter for a while, and that was a slightly useless. And so, okay. You're not as good as our president, apparently. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, what's written about Landmark? Because it's, it's been um, thought about and experienced by a lot of different people. And people have compared it to Scientology because it seems to have some similarities to Scientology. It's compared to EST. Have you heard of EST? Yeah, I did after the fact. When I, in fact, that night when I was doing my research, that's when I read all about it. Yeah, Earhart seminars training EST or EST. It's Latin for to be or it is or something. I can't remember. But anyway, it's um, it's it's. And I'll go into more of that later. But so Scientology EST encounter groups from the sixties, seventies, primal scream groups. It's also compared to religious cults. It's also compared to like firewalking, that that kind of experiential thing. It's also compared sometimes to neurolinguistic programming, which I don't really understand the parallels there. But we should do an episode on NLP sometimes because people actually people ask us to do that episode. So I don't know much about that, but because you said linguistic, uh, they do have big emphasis on the meaning of words and words and and 
and what you call things. Like what? What do you mean? Well, for example, um, they have this thing where uh, they they ask you to tell what what happened to you about something, and as you're telling it, they say, "Okay, that's the story." Right. But right. What right. actually happened? Right. It's it's like then, it's like narrative therapy, which yeah. I get more into a, into a second. Um. In the literature, in the psychological literature, they're often called large group awareness trainings or LGATs because they, they, they lump all these different things into what they call large group awareness trainings. Yeah. Landmark Forum has been criticized by many. It's been accused of being a cult or using brainwashing techniques or – you know, many people will say it's just a marketing ploy that a con man, Earhart, used to trick vulnerable people to spend their savings on worthless courses. It's extremely controversial in the literature and online, as you've alluded to, Burrow. Okay, let's go to the history. So we could go all the way back to the, you know, the beginning of history and, and find like commonalities through culture. But I decided to go back to the 1700s. In New England, there were the evangelical revivals. You know, think of a tent with a charismatic religious leader having, you know, you've all seen them on TV or maybe you've been to them. Lots of emotion and, and you know, the spirit of God and feel the spirit and and very inspirational. Like the Steve Martin movie. Yeah. I, I think it... It begins here, really, uh, where um, Landmark kind of has some of its roots. Most people don't connect Landmark back to this point, but I do. And you could even go back even further, like I said. But there are similar themes between these two experiences or products or something. Charismatic leader. You always have to have a very compelling charismatic leader, a powerful leader. It's focused on self-improvement. You also have an experience in front of the group, which is a very powerful thing. You know, That's right. if you have a if if a whole group is behind you on something or witnesses you, you know, it's a very it's a very poignant, meaningful experience that you'll never forget. They both sell tickets. Evangelical revivals. There was money involved, and obviously in Landmark, there's money involved, and both recruited other people to come. There was a heavy emphasis on recruiting people. So let's jump forward to the 1950s. Many, particularly white Americans, but many Americans were becoming disillusioned with organized religion, but they still wanted to have a spiritual experience, and this is where New Age and all these other kinds of things grew out of. This influenced what is called the human potential movement in the 1950s, like humanistic psychotherapy, humanistic psychology, Maslow's self-actualization. People have probably heard of that before. Other humanistic people, Rogers, Rollo May, Fritz Perls. It was all about breaking free of the constraints of society, having like real emotion, real experience, break out, be real, be authentic, and don't be a phony. Right. It was a big part of this, and from what I understand... Yeah, that is a big part of that. Right, yeah. So if, for you therapists out there, if you're not familiar with Landmark, it's it's basically a version of humanistic therapy, 
a la Pearls or Victor Frankl existential confrontational kinds of modes of humanistic there. It's not, it's not Rogerian at all in terms of that, but it's, it's very um, much like that. It's also very narrative therapy oriented, which I'll get to more in a second. Okay, so let's skip forward from the 50s to the 70s. This is when EST or EST started Earhart Seminars Training. Werner or Werner Earhart created at the EST program to, quote-unquote, help people transform their lives. The first EST course was held in San Francisco in 1971. The first day, so it was similar format to Landmark. The first day is, is a lot of lectures by a charismatic leader, and strict rules are established in, uh-huh. in EST. So this is the 70s. There are designated breaks for bathroom visits and only one meal break. Yeah. Exactly the same. Eating was not permitted during the courses. It's from 9 a.m. to a late hour, like midnight, even later. So it seems like they've gone a little lighter on they've that. They've gone soft. Yeah, a little bit. Participants had to hand over their wristwatches, which is interesting. They were not allowed to take notes. So <laughs> that's interesting. They were not allowed to speak unless called upon, and they were forced to wear a name tag at all times. (laughs) So isn't that funny? It goes all the way back to Est. Yeah. That's very much like... My interpretation of this is, if you're looking at it from the good side, you're saying, look, people need to know your name, and you need to be a part of the group. And if you're rebelling against the name tag, that kind of indicates you're not really here, you know? And I want you to be present. I want you to be here with us as a part of our group. Okay, that's that's the nice way of looking at it. Also, I don't want you to take notes because that distracts you from the human experience. It's intellectual. When you're taking notes, it could be perceived as an intellectual pursuit like you're in class. But I want you to be present with me. I want eye contact. Yeah. I want human-to-human contact. And that's and, how they present it. That. Right. And that, you know, and that is, that's valid. You know, if, if I had a client sitting in front of me in my office and they were taking notes the entire time when I thought it would be good for them to have a real emotional experience, I might suggest that they put down the notepad for a while. The, the, the interesting difference that could be is <clears throat> if you presented it the way you're presenting it to me now up front, yeah. here's what you're signing up for. Just so you know, there's going to be these ground rules. And that's part of what you're signing up for, right? Then I would sort of be mentally prepared. Like, well, I wouldn't even bring a notebook because I just read that that's one of the things. Now, I might not sign up for it, but you let me know up front. But it's still more of this entrapment that I've signed up for something. None of this information is given to me. And when I show up, all of a sudden, there's these weird constraints. And they're not even well explained. I'm I'm told in a very light way that, like... Like sort of what you said, but you presented it so like in a in a human to human approach. <laughs> the other one's more like in a mysterious. We have rules. You don't question them. Approach. Right. <laughs> so the shadow side to this practice is to give people the impression unconsciously that they are not in control. If if I unconscious and this is a this is a you can mess with people this way and yeah. and it's a known sociological thing. If you get and salespeople use this all the time. If you can get people to agree to little things, then they will agree to a more severe thing. That's right. So if you get someone to say, "Look, I need you to put down the notepad and I need you to have this this name tag." Those are very easy. I need you to sit in this chair. Those are fairly easy things to convince someone to do. 
Yeah. Telling them to shell out another thousand dollars, that's a that's a leap. Yep. Telling them they have to get on stage and like totally unleash their personality to everyone and self disclose everything about themselves, that's a leap. Yep. But you start with with little things and you, you kind of weed out the people who aren't really into it too right away. Cause if they can't handle these little things and they should probably just go, they're probably going to, they're probably going to ruin it for everyone else. In fact, I bet you they even know that some people aren't going to come back day two. Oh, absolutely. Because they weren't suited. And so the people who show up to day two are probably, you know, a select, you know, number of people who are actually super dedicated to so the process. You know? I called the morning of Saturday to let them know I wasn't coming back. Cause, really? Yeah, because I didn't want them calling me because they will call me. They have my number. They The previous day uh, when we went for the dinner break, I forgot to pick up my name tag on the way back in. So I came back on time from the dinner break, sat down and stuff like that. And uh, a little later, like half an hour later, I went to the bathroom and I checked my phone and I had a missed call and I checked, I listened to the message and it was one of the landmark guys going, we noticed you uh, haven't come back from dinner. We wanted to see if everything was okay. Wow. And blah, blah. And I was like, and then, so then I went up, I'm like, no, I, I, I'm here. I just forgot to pick up the name tag, you know? So that morning I called them and I said, I talked to someone. I said, yeah, I just wanted you to know that I'm, I'm not coming back today. And I said, oh, really? Oh, uh, let me, hold on. Let me. I'll have you talk to someone. Oh, my God. Right? And I was waiting. I was like, oh, here we go. Oh, no, no. So <laughs> if that was me, I'd be like, no, sorry. I'm just letting you know. Yes. Don't call me. Don't email me. Right. I, I'm, I'm leaving now. <laughs> See you. Bye. I, I, you are right. I was trying to be like nice about it. But here's – I got lucky in that the person they put on the phone with me was like so green at this. Yeah. So I almost felt bad for him because he was like – so. So so what what what's the problem? And I'm like, "Oh, there's no problem. I just um I'm not going to come back." And I'm that's it. "Oh, uh is there is there a reason?" I was like, "Yeah, but there's no problem. I'm just not coming back. I just want you to guys to know." Yeah. And he kept trying to like find a way in and I just and and I could almost sense like he was like, "Damn it. What do I do? They're going to judge me on this." And then finally like it was imagine, like a minute. And imagine like, going yeah, to okay, like Imagine going to a training, like an yeah. actual training, right? And you call up, you say, "I'm sorry, I'm I'm not going to make it in." Right. First off, they'd be like, "Why are you calling me? <laughs> yeah. Like, like just I'm busy. Just don't, don't show just up. Just don't come. I don't care. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? I don't take attendance. You know." Yeah. <laughs> the second is, like, "Hold on." <laughs> yeah, and they they'd be like, "Okay, great, fine." You know, like I've run trainings before. You know, and I'm just like, "Okay, great." You know, just I was thinking they were going to put on one of those heavy hitters, and they were going to start asking me. Like they were going to try to find the flaw that was the thing that, you know. Well, I'm sure that's what he's tasked with. But, but he, he just wasn't He just was it. terrible at it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so this is all est, by the way. This is not landmark I'm describing. Right. But it's very similar to landmark. Yeah. Well, it, I, my understanding is landmark splintered off. Right. Yeah. The second day of the workshop and est had what they a number of different things, but one of the key things was the danger process, <laughs> which I, I love the name of that. It's like, you know, the danger zone from Archer, you know? Yeah. Danger process. <laughs> um, participants were brought onto the stage and they were confronted by the charismatic leader. They were asked to re-examine their self-perpetuated patterns. This is my words. They were asked to re-examine their self-perpetuated patterns that kept, that kept their lives from working in the way that they wanted to. Now, I'll say this. 
This is basically existential or gestalt therapy, a la Pearls, Viktor Frankl, these sorts of people. It's basically that form of therapy on stage. And on one hand, I'll say it works and it can actually help people and it, and a lot of people really like it. On the other hand, you're basically u- utilizing a, psych- a form of psychotherapy without informed consent, without a license in all likelihood. And in front of hundreds of people. And in front of hundreds of people. And so... And there's a lot of social constraints that make it so that the participants have a really hard time saying no to it or have a really hard time saying, I don't, because part of the whole thing is, because basically I'm talking about S to Ann Landmark because they're, in my mind, they're almost the exact same thing. There there are some differences, but they're pretty similar. When, When you, the whole point of this exercise when you're on the stage is to make someone reveal the very thing they don't want to reveal, which on one hand can be a wonderful thing because uh, they, you know, I killed a man, you know, I ran, I was, I, I, I was drunk and I ran over a kid right. and I'm ashamed of that. Well, or my mother sexually abused me for 10 years, right. you know, some kind of thing like that. And the whole purpose for this charismatic leader is to get you to say that sort of stuff. Right. Not that only, but to, to sort of really go for the gusto on that. And on one hand, that can be a wonderful thing because no one in the crowd says, oh, "What's wrong with you? You should be ashamed." Like it's not, right. it's not a shaming environment. And but it it's also playing into revictimization, which I'm guessing is what you read on online about it, which is like. For some people, it could be traumatizing right. for them. Well, I was watching it, actually, because even that first day, um, they, the pattern was they would bring someone on stage, talk to them. Uh, they would go through this very public uh, revealing and things like that. Um, and then they, the next cycle would be that they would ask us to turn to the person next to us and talk about the same things, but for two minutes. And so what I started feeling was like, this is... This is not useful to me, actually, because I'm sitting here listening to a guy talk for like an hour about a new topic. He's just talking for like an hour. Then he brings someone on stage and drills them. And I feel sort of like really bad for that person. Then I have two minutes to talk about my deep thoughts and things with the person next to me. And then they they switch chairs around anyway, so you're never sitting with the same person. I'm like, this is weird. I'm not getting... They switched the chairs around? Uh, yeah, basically. I don't know how they do it, but it seemed really like purposeful. Every time we came back from a from a break or or, or uh, the lunch, or not the lunch, but like the dinner and stuff like that, like they had made it so like I never ended up sitting next to the same person What do you mean? Like once. they put your name tag on the chair? No, they don't put the name tag on the chair. They just like usher you in to different places. So you can't choose where you sit? I tried and it didn't work. Oh my god! And and so like I I was thinking oh maybe I would get to know these people next to me. No, that didn't work. Yeah. And and then so the other. So thing, again on on the on the positive side, you get to meet more people. You get to say hey today I met ten people like really well instead of just one person. Or if one person's really annoying, you don't have to deal with them all day. That's true. But on the negative side. It keeps you isolated, so you can't really band together against the, the system. And it also, as far as getting to know them well, you don't because these two-minute bursts, 
you barely have time to to right. really do anything. And then and then lastly, the the other problem with this is that I was actually expecting that we were sort of gonna like talk in groups and like maybe do a little break that and that at least in day one there was none of that. Right. Right. So research shows regarding Est because there was a lot of research regarding uh, just a summary of the research that I found is that most people were satisfied with the seminar. So afterwards they, you know, right. survey everyone and say, you know, was it worth your time? And most people were like, yeah, it was worth, it was worth it. I, I got something out of it. Number two, est groups seem to have a small temporary effect on people that, that doesn't likely last. It's hard to nail that down. Cause you're yeah. talking about like, personal transformation how do you measure that it's right. you know but there seems to be some in some studies there seem to be some like they actually did on prisoners <laughs> they had like prisoners go through it it's also hard because you have to have a control group go through a similar kind of group but it's not the same kind of group you know because you because any emotional experience you're going to be like whoa that that was <laughs> that was great you know that's a good point <laughs> So you so you have to, to study. Yeah, you have to have a control group of some other kind of emotional experience. And yeah. so there weren't a lot of studies like that, but but anyway, it but it it didn't seem as though that the evidence didn't seem to me to indicate that the est one weekend uh stint had any huge effect on like your, lasting on your personality, you know. Uh number 3, uh I already said that one. Number 4 it was found that psychiatric issues may be triggered by est. Yeah. So if you have PTSD, schizophrenia, dissociation, absolutely that is going to be a problem. Yeah. And and it's something that existential therapy and narrative therapy historically has sort of ignored. It's one of the criticisms of those forms of therapy. So because they they're just like, well, it's just a story you're telling yourself that you've that you've gone through trauma, you know. Again, Narrative therapists today, existential therapists today, wouldn't say stuff like that, but they did in the past. Yeah. Uh, yeah as, a, as an example, uh, if if I was in the class right now, um, I would have been told, as I was describing what happened to me in that in that recruitment session, and then in that first day, I would have been told, "Okay, that's the story." Right. But what happened? And then I would have been forced to eventually narrate something like this, saying, "I went to a class that I paid for." I went to one day and left, right. and that's what happened. Right. And 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 you strip out all the actual nuance of what you felt and all these kind of things. And and I and I understand. And I actually was finding some of that way of thinking interesting because I kept thinking, okay, so if I look at some of the bad things that have happened to me in my life, I could look at them through that lens and say, like, okay, well, my mom left when I was little, and I was raised by my dad. And that's different than saying I was deeply traumatized the day my, but I find usefulness in both of them, not right. only one. Right. Yeah. It it can be helpful to essentially it's an exercise of changing your perspective. Right. If you have a perspective that your life has been shit, and that perspective makes you depressed, then in a very simplistic, you know, way. Yeah. If you change your perspective that your life was not shit, then you might be less depressed. That's right. For some people, that act, that does work. Yeah, uh, I have worked with people in that way before. But to reduce all of your, you know, every person's problems to that kind of premise is, you know, pretty short sighted. 
Um, and well, anyway, so the critics, uh, social critic, John Bassett McCleary called Earhard from Est a former used car salesman. <laughs> and he said that Est is just another money-making scam. There was a famous 60 minutes episode that they did an expose on Earhart. Oh, really? Claiming that he was a fraud and like sexually abusive to people. But Earhart sued and it was found that 60 Minutes had been working with a lot of false information. But it's not clear if some of the information might have been true. Okay. 60 Minutes later retracted their statements about him. Uh, Earhart's daughters accused him of sexually abusing them. Oh, my God. But then they later retracted the allegations. Wait, what? Yeah. This it's is really weird. Yeah. This is the founder of, of Est and basically oh. of, of Landmark. The IRS accused him of tax crimes, like a lot of tax crimes, but uh. then he sued the IRS and he won the case. <laughs> so 60 Minutes, his own daughters, the IRS, they all super attack him. And, and then, then he, but then he ends up prevailing yeah. in the end. So I just want to say, after reading, you know, a fair amount of material on Earhart, I couldn't tell if he was innocent and he was just being persecuted because I could see that happening. Uh-huh. You know, a charismatic leader of something that looks like a cult. I could absolutely see people attacking him, but like by sixty his minutes. daughters. That's weird. Yeah. So I can't. I couldn't tell if he was innocent and just being persecuted, or if he is super sleazy and devious and a psychopath and he's just really good at escaping justice. Right. So I, I just, I couldn't tell, but anyway, let's go to a break and then we'll talk more about this topic. Okay. We're back talking about landmark and ma- we've mainly been talking about Est, but <clears throat> again, continuing with the history, uh, Est became very popular in the seventies by 1979. Est had expanded around the world. Erhard reportedly considered making Est into a religion, huh. similar to L. Ron Hubbard, but ultimately decided against it, which is probably a good thing for him and the society. <laughs> um, the last S training was held in '84 in San Francisco, although I couldn't figure, I couldn't find out why it ended. Um, Erhard's courses helped form what is called the seminar industry or the human potential movement industry, a large group awareness training industry. In 91, the Est business and its format were sold to some Est employees. So basically some employees of Est bought the format and bought the whole thing. Right. Even though it's like, why would they need to buy it? And then they formed Landmark. It created in 1991, again, headquartered in San Francisco, same as Est, I believe. It probably didn't want to be sued for copying the format or something. Yeah, I guess. Landmark was reinvented and repackaged as Est. However, Landmark insists adamantly that it's entirely distinct from Est and that it's not based on Est, even though it's obviously similar. <laughs> and you're, you, the founders were employees of Est who yeah. bought the format from Est. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I, I think basically they're trying to deny their Est roots because Est has this very controversial history yeah. that pro- people probably don't remember now, but yeah. people certainly remembered in the 90s. I mean, it, it, it sounds almost identical, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you could have told me that you were describing what I went through. Yeah. The difference, from what I understand, is Est was a lot more harsh. It was a lot more intense and even abusive like it was common for the charismatic leader 
because I don't even know what to call the person because they're not a therapist, you know. I'm just I'm just continuing to call them a charismatic leader. They would frequently call people on stage assholes and they're fuck ups. There's something wrong. You're a phony. And this is something that Fritz Perls did a lot of too. But I'm actually so when I was reading accounts from people that had been through the landmark forum over the last like more than a decade. Yeah. What I was reading was that actually it landmark was very much like that in pockets and that it really depended who your moderator was and all these things. I have a feeling that ne- as the the decades wore on, so to speak, like it's hard to do stuff like that and not risk lawsuits nowadays. Yeah. So I have a feeling they had to sort of soften it a bit. But my understanding of day two and, and especially day three, uh, not only from what I read online, but actually also talking to people that have gone through all of it, um, is they do get more confrontational and darker and <clears throat> leading to like they have this big reveal on the Sunday. They have this big secret. Yeah. Which is another one of those things that it's like that's the kind of thing you get at these like Amway type things and stuff. It's like you got to stay. stay the whole time. There's a big secret. Yeah. It's like having to watch to the end of the OA yes. or something. Have you watched to the end of OA? Yet? No. You There's a watch big it. secret. Yeah. But but the, but the well, whole thing they're they're leading to is this It's like one big M Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah. And they're leading to this realization that it's all meaningless. Mm. That nothing Matters. So online you read on Sunday they reveal that nothing yeah. matters. Yeah. And again, looked at in a negative way, it's like, what? But in a positive way, actually I myself adhere to a certain amount of what I might call constructive nihilism. Sure. Which is that it is ultimately meaningless. Yeah. And but I uh, and a lot of philosophers have talked about this, but I imbue meaning into things because I want to. Not because they're inherently meaningful, but because I choose to make them meaningful. And therefore, I can choose to make things not meaningful. Right. Like, if I make a fool out of myself, I can choose to say, well, life has no meaning, so this, of course, has no meaning. Right. It's the same feeling that people get when they look at the pale blue dot of the Earth, you know, as the voyagers looking back and taking a picture of Earth, and yeah. it's this tiny pale blue dot. It's like all of, you know, Sagan, all of the history of of our species, all of the political problems, all the wars, all the love, all the births, all the deaths, all the families, all of this are encapsulated in that pale blue dot. And the feeling you get is is a feeling of meaninglessness and also extreme meaning. It's this, this, that's my description of it. It's like at one point I'm feeling like, my God, nothing has any, because that pale blue dot will be the same if I make a fool out of myself, if I don't, it'll be the same even if a nuclear war happens. <laughs> and yet, the vast, you know, the vast cosmos, I'm a part of it. And what a miracle that I'm alive. You know, it's this, it's this whole stew of things. And so, Landmark probably helps people to, some people to get to that point. And right. that's a very helpful notion, I think. It, it can be. I, I, one of the things that um, I have a problem with is that, and this is just me personally. To me, it feels like the kind of revelation I would have found interesting. When you were 25? When I was 15. <laughs> like in my, seriously, in my youth group retreat. Yeah. Like but, I feel like we would have been at a youth group <clears throat> retreat and the, the, the counselor would have been like, now I just want you guys all to think about right. how in the end, 
it's all sort of nothing. Right. And to the <laughs> but to the average person, they haven't read Kierkegaard and Sartre and, you know, all these people, all the other philosophers. I haven't read them either. <laughs> well, but you you've you've yes, heard sure, of sure. you've you've heard people talk of the philosophies and and you've had a lot of conversations around this sort of thing. And so most people would actually find, you know, if you lead them to that, you know what I mean? If you demonstrate the principles, because I'm sure they don't just plop it on people's laps. They're probably like, you know, I'm going to lead you up to this idea so that you understand, like, yeah. what we're actually talking about. So I'm going to talk about the pros and the cons. Okay, the pros. Self-awareness is good. And my guess, we've been totally trashing on Landmark and S this whole time for the most part. But I just want to say, again, I want to repeat, most people find it very helpful. Our yes. friend who called us, yeah. from what I can tell, it was extremely useful. He yep. made amends with you and me in yep. a way that he would not have otherwise. And think about all the other people he talked to and, and think about the doors that opened up for him and his personality. And he was right. talking about that. And so... And I know he's been through therapy before, and 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 maybe the other therapy was good too. But in just one weekend, he managed to really, you know, achieve something. Hey, man, I have a cousin in uh, Colombia who is one of my dearest cousins. He uh, is about ten years older, or eight years older than me, and he lived a pretty hardcore life where he he drank a lot. He had a lot of affairs with married women. He got into a lot of trouble and stuff like that. And a few years ago, he found Jesus and he became obsessive. And to this day now, he's like, that's his life. That's all he does. He's obsessed with it. It worked for him. Yeah. Because right. guess what? He's not drinking. Yeah, and he's not betting married women, and he's not doing all these other risky, very chaotic things. Right. It's it's outcomes. You know what? What's the outcome for you? Overall, it in a way helped you, but in a way didn't. It, it helped me unintentionally. Yeah. Right. So self awareness is good. Emotional expression is good. Interacting with other people in a new way is good. And they had another idea there that I also found useful, which was this uh, thing they called, um, uh, not riots, uh, what they call it. Oh, shoot. Mobs. What is it? Mobs. No. This thing where, okay, essentially, we all have these repeating patterns that trigger us. And when they trigger us, we always end up doing the same kind of thing. And like with other people. um, uh, So it's almost like... They didn't call it riots because that's not the word they used, but it was something along the Riot? Lines. Why would they yeah, call it a riot? it's not riot, but it was like a... a oh, man. Not it, a rut. No, not a rut. Anyway. Anyways, but the point Maybe. is that it's almost like a, a triggered be- behavior. Yeah. So every time you say, Berto, why, why did you drink the last beer? You know, I always say... Well, you're always criticizing me, and for years, blah, 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 you know, and like, it's a trigger behavior that always leads to the same outcome, Yeah, and it gives us a reward yeah. that we don't realize that we're getting, right? Yeah. Uh, this whole thing, I found, okay, that's interesting, okay, that's rackets, that's what it is, rackets. Oh, rackets. Rackets, yeah. That's why I was saying, it's not riots, but it's kind of like rackets. Yeah, so, that's a good thing, but... I kind of feel like I've been looking at that since I was 15, right? And, well, and so yeah, I'm, I'm, I have a hard time believing, yeah. you know, but again. But it's a good model for Landmark, someone to think about. Yeah, Landmark know? is not yeah. for you and me having been through therapy for so many years. 
Learning about self-care is good. Getting connected with your authenticity is good. Pushing back on oppressive cultural expectations is good because that, I think that's a big part of it that we haven't really mentioned. You know, the, the stories we tell ourselves, I'm guessing they probably talk about how society tells you the story that you know, yeah. you're supposed to say, but you're responsible for you know, having that story for yourself. Um, reaching out to old relationships is good. Reconnecting with people is good. Being real with our loved ones is good. Being right. vulnerable is good. Like I said before, it's kind of a form of narrative therapy, you know, the the story that you're telling yourself that's keeping you stuck. Now, narrative therapists would never act like this, but the principle is is being used in Landmark, I believe. Also, but, go ahead. By the way, there is a slimy part that I noticed in the reaching out to others uh, that I didn't realize when I got the call from my friend, but I realized when I was in it because the way they talk about it it's weird, but it's not just about you reaching out because of your own process. It's because they want you to recruit. Right. And that was definitely there. It's right. like they want you to recruit. Yeah. I think our mutual friend, when he talked to me, I think he kind of dropped it. It was pretty light. I yeah. remember it wasn't hard for me, but I, I remember. I just don't think he did a good job based on what they want him to do. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I know all about Landmark. And so yeah. when he. When he started talking about it, I, I, I probably knew right away, like, well, eventually he's going to try to get me to come to something. And I've, I think I told him, like, oh, I've been to it already. I don't need to yeah. go again. I felt like he did a great job as it concerns me and how he respected me. But I feel like he let them down because he didn't do the hard sell. <laughs> uh, exis- it's like existential therapy and that you take responsibility and the meanings that you make. It's, it's also sort of like REBT. In terms of like what's the evidence, it sort of has a, a, a streak of REBT. All right, the cons. Now, it's hard for me to talk about the research and the empiricism regarding regarding Landmark because there's not much research. I, I think it's because those in psychology and psychotherapy, they either don't know about Landmark because it's not that big, it's not a huge phenomenon, um, or they don't care about it, which I think is sort of weird and dumb because it's, you know, it's fairly popular. Yeah. And psychology could learn a lot from its pros and cons, and people should know the empirical effect of it. You know, it's it's I, I think it's a little failing of my industry that we're just basically ignoring it or not paying attention to it or something. There's a certain there's a certain attitude in psychotherapy and psychology that if it's not in our field, we kind of consider it a quack and we don't pay attention to it. It's sort of like, well, they're, they're, that's a quack industry and you know who cares about those people. But it's like a lot of people are going to these things and I just feel like we should be looking at yeah. it. You know? Anyway, and there's been some studies, but not enough for me to talk about. As we've been talking about, another con is the what in religion and Christianity they'll call witnessing to others is super shady. You know, like in some of the most popular religions, one of the central ways you're evaluated is by how many people you can get to come yeah. to the congregation and essentially attend and pay money. Uh, I, a quote I found on the internet, one of the most irritating aspects of the forum is the hard sell to sign up future participants. Yep, yep, yep. Leaders encourage people to bring friends and family to a session to help celebrate their newfound love of life and invite them to enroll in the next available weekend, Yeah, unquote. 
you know, as I said before, imagine if I required all of my clients to recruit other clients to come to me. Right. I mean, if, if, if I did that, or if you heard of a therapist doing that, you would be appalled. You'd yeah. say, so, so wait a second, you're, you're hard selling your own clients <laughs> to go out there and drag clients in, not just try to spread the word, but actually drag them into your office. Well, you're actually telling them that part of their process of recovery or of change and growth right. is to bring right. others. Right. And then you do a bait and switch and say, no, actually, you're here because I'm trying to sell <laughs> you on something. Imagine if I, Kirk, did that. Yeah. I would be run out of the business. Yeah. I People would throw me off of a cliff. That's a terrible thing to do. Oh and yet gosh. Landmark does this all the time. That'd be crazy. You show up. It's like, hey, listen, I'm. I need you to come with me to my therapist because there's something I need to get off my chest. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And we go, and I'm sitting there, and they're like, do you want to join this therapist for therapy? It's like, what? Right. Another criticism I'll say is that therapeutic transformations are not real. As a therapist, who when I first started out really was seeking to have my clients go through therapeutic transformations. I'm here to tell you that they're extremely rare at best and at and they're likely never actually real. It's what people see on TV and movies and stuff. It's like uh-huh. this idea of like you have this breakthrough. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen. Now, there are sort of eureka moments some clients will have. Yep. But this idea that like your whole life is going to be transformed by one emotional experience is just not realistic. But yep. it's very easy to manipulate people to believe this because it's in our culture. That's right. I, as a, as a professor, I, I actually have observed colleagues of mine who use this. I don't think they're using it intentionally in a manipulative way, but they're using it to make them seem like excellent professors. They'll create an emotional experience for their students Mm -hmm. and engineer, you know, because these students are, are susceptible. Yeah. And they're trying to please the professor Mm -hmm. and they're also training to be therapists. So they're kind of willing to go through experiences like this. And I know I've been teaching for almost 20 years. I know I can engineer a class to make most people cry. I know I can do that, right. but I purposely don't do it because I know it has a, a very cult-like effect on the followers. Yeah, and it's also to some people it'll feel really bad to them because I've yeah. been on the other end of that stick where it's like I know what you're doing. You're trying to you're trying to get me to have an emotional experience. I, I don't want to do that right now. Yeah, or maybe I will at another time, but not here. It's right. just I'm not. I don't want to. And. And I can just feel that tension, you know? And that's what Landmark is trying to do. They're trying to create right. an emotional experience. Now, the emotional experience, in all likelihood, is a, is a wonderful thing. That's why most people like it. But the claim that it's going to transform your life, I mean, the things that they're saying, you Permanent know? Permanent transformation. Yeah, it, it'll improve your relationships. It'll improve your confidence. It'll improve your productivity. It'll improve your enjoyment of life. I, I just, you know, how do you measure those things? But I, I just find that, to be a little funny. So again, just want to say that it's probably, especially if it's only 600 bucks, which is a lot of money to some people, but on the scale of things, it's, it's not that bad. It's not a $2,000 seminar. Right. Uh, it's probably worth it. If you hand yourself over to this process, my guess is if you can get over the uncomfortable chairs, my guess is it's, it's going to be a meaningful thing and you're going to get at least some something out of it by the end of the time. You know? I, I think it really... 
your personality and where you're at in life really matters because for me, it would have been it would have been a really bad torture to sit there those next two days. Right. Oh, uh, by the way. Well, but honestly, it, you might have, and I can see this happening to you, if you just pushed through it and said, look, I'm going to really, I'm going to go and I'm going to really hand myself over to this. I'm going to really surrender myself and just like look at it. I'm going to, in my mind, I'm going to try to look at this positively. My guess is, is that if you were successful, you would have walked away after the third day going, wow, that was actually pretty amazing. It's, because yeah, like I, I said, I it's it. it's not hard to, if you can get people to surrender and get people to emote and have like authentic experiences, it's not hard for people to walk away going like, wow, that was pretty meaningful. You know, I guess for me, like I've just been, I've been there so many times in my life in other contexts and things that I felt were much better yeah. and more powerful. Sure. And after 13 hours, I was like, I mean, the next two days, this is what I have to look forward to. To me, it sounds like <laughs> the charismatic leader was not very good, you know, because I, they, like, were, they were okay. It was fine. I, I, I just, I, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you had been sitting there for that first day, you would you would feel very similar because oh, yeah. you and I have very similar personalities. Dude, I would have been worse than you. Yeah, I'm a therapist. <laughs> when 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 these sorts of things happen, I'm like, I can see right through you. Well, and part of it is this, and honestly, look this this is a bit uh, unfair. But uh, when he was uh, dealing with some of the people that that were clearly participants, because they weren't even realizing what he was trying to get them to say, because uh-huh. they were telling their story, and he's like, well, "Okay, that's the story. Tell me what actually happened." And like they wouldn't get it, so they would keep saying a story, right. and it dragged on. And and I'm sitting there going, like, "Okay, well, unfortunately, that is the process they have to go through." But I'm not learning anything from this because I'm just sitting here watching someone painfully get dragged <laughs> through the mud. Right. And it's like if I were doing this in a small group, if it was like six of us and we got more one-on-one time and more group time, I could see it being way more helpful. Right. But because it's this huge hundreds of people and you're just sitting there waiting yeah. and waiting, two minutes to talk about yours and that's it? Yeah. Actually, like, <laughs> come to think of it, imagine if they broke you into groups of five or ten yeah. and had everyone do the exact same thing. Yes. My guess is, is like, it'd be amazing because yes. you'd be, a, you'd be participating, you know what that's I mean? That's right. Anyway, and that's called group therapy, which happens all the Anyway, um, another thing is that it totally ignores and misunderstands trauma. This is a quote from the internet. Stephanie Nye, 45, claims that the two-day landmark forum seminar, quote unquote, stripped her of her natural psychological defenses and unleashed the specter of a failed relationship with her father leading to a nervous breakdown and commitment to a psychiatric clinic. Yikes. So I could absolutely see that. There are reasons why we don't think about some things. Uh, and for some people, the the consequences to thinking about these painful traumas is a psychiatric exacerbation yeah. or the beginning of a symptom, you know? So right. it's... it's it, to to just get people on stage and just like confront them until they do this sort of thing is because they didn't have therapists on hand, right? There weren't like no. clinicians like ready no, to no, go. No, 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 no. <clears throat> right. Also, the marketing is sleazy. On the website, ninety four percent of participants report that Landmark improved their relationships, their confidence, their productivity, and their enjoyment of life. If a therapist made a claim like that, they would be run out of the business <laughs> because there's no way that a independent series of studies found that figure 94 percent plus it's like how do you measure 
improvement of relationship, confidence, productivity, enjoyment of life in a permanent way. Yeah. You know, and the way it's written too is silly because they, they're not saying or, they're saying and. So that means 94 participants, in, it improved all four things. Yeah. That's unheard of yeah. to have a treatment modality that can even improve one of the four right. for everyone. But 94, all four improved. All four of them. Just from one weekend. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that good. Yeah. It's, it's just not it, – it's clearly a marketing ploy. And if they had said 50%, I would have been like, okay, well, that, that might actually be true. Uh, but by the way, th- there's another hint. But uh, you know, you're saying maybe if I had fully committed. But here's another hint of why, in in this case, sort of seeing through it is not too far off the mark. There were people in the forum that have been through the forum for years. Yeah. Like seriously, they have been doing it for years. Yeah. And and there are people that I've met, that I met that I talked to and, and also yeah, Lita did it. Know. Lita did it for years. She that, might still be doing. It. I don't know that I've been through the advanced courses and all these things. Right. I'm not if, saying it hasn't helped them. No, but I, I think it's if you not start, what you just read on that website, right? Be, because because we know them from the outside, yeah. and we're like, you're not that much different. You know what I right. mean? It, you're you're kind of different, maybe. And and and, and so and I, I so I cannot deny that it's helped or not. I I actually think it has helped. Yeah. At least in the people I'm thinking, but that um, hasn't like completely altered their and personality, this, right? And this is going through forum, advanced courses, all the side courses, all this other stuff, and becoming active in that community. Right. So I know, I know from my it's same as therapy. Therapy, you can go through years of therapy and see, you know, similar kinds of things. Absolutely. Look, you know? the, the, one of the things I loved about the Sopranos uh, presentation of therapy is that there were many times throughout the series where Tony thought. He had had the one breakthrough, and then he like got all excited, and he's like, "I don't need therapy anymore," and he started changing all these things. And inevitably, the the, the counselor was like, "Listen, listen, listen, we we still need to." And he's like, "No, I think I got it." You know, yeah. this happened more than once, and inevitably that wasn't. And then he'd always like come back, and he's like, "How come this isn't working?" And he'd get upset. He's like, "I thought this was supposed to like fix all my problems," and I actually could relate to that because it it isn't like that. Yeah, it isn't these breakthroughs that all of a sudden your life isn't forever changed. So, uh, in closing, I want to go over the criteria of a cult because it's often referred to as a cult, and I feel like a lot of people are just stirring out around that word cult a little too easily. So, this is my criteria for a cult based on others' criteria: absolute authoritarianism, no tolerance for criticism, fear of the outside world. The group has, you know, the cult has an us versus them mentality. Former followers who left the group are always wrong for leaving. Individual identity is lost. Isolation from family and friends. The leadership di- dictates how members should think, act, and feel. The leadership also in, in, induces feelings of shame or guilt in order to influence or control the members. And the group is preoccupied with bringing in new members. Now, some of the criteria are met, but most are not. So in my estimation, it's not a cult. It's often claimed, I think, to be a cult by people who have hostile hostility towards Landmark, people who are like therapists, essentially. It's like, well, they're competing with my money, essentially. It's like people are going to go to this thing and send to me, and so I'm going to blast Landmark because, and call it a cult, mm-hmm. or just people who just don't like organized things. You know, I think there's just some people just have a hostility against like Mm-hmm. Groups of people getting together to do things, you know, <laughs> and so it'll be called a cult. But 
So most, it, it, if you understand actual cults, a landmark is not a cult, <laughs> but it has some slight cult-like features. Like yeah. it induces an emotional experience. <clears throat> cults will often do that. There'll often be an emotional <clears throat> kind of uh, manipulative. They probably wouldn't think of it as manipulative, but it's, there's often an emotional experience. Um, they often make grand claims. Yeah. Uh, Landmark makes grand claims. They also try to develop a dependency on the system to right. continue and continue and continue and continue. Right. It's it's like be one of us, you know, and if you're not one of us, we reject you. There's encouraging conformity to the group with that sitting down, wearing the name tag, that kind of thing. There's a charismatic leader. Often in cults, there's a charismatic leader. Um. <clears throat> And good followers get other followers to follow. Yeah. So, but as I said, if you understand real cults, it's it, once you're in the cult, it's almost impossible to get out. Yeah. Like Scientology in the deeper. Once you, if you watch the documentaries, that's a cult. Yeah. With Landmark, you can easily get out of it if you didn't like it. All you'd have to do is just not show up that day, and all they're going to do is call you. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And although that could be pressuring in, so it's cult like. Yeah, but it's not. You know, they're not going to send goons to your house. <laughs> I was expecting to receive follow up calls, and I never did. Yeah, right. So you know, because they probably learn. Like, look, you know, bad press is not good for us. But so, so my accusation that they have cult like features. But sports teams have cult like features. If you live in Seattle and you're not a Seahawks fan you will likely feel as though you're surrounded by the cult of Seahawks. <laughs> you know, never question Russell Wilson. Twelfth man. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, football is like a cult. Universities have cult-like features. We're better than the other university. Give us your money. Recruit other students, you know. We will transform you. I mean, Skull universities, I think Antioch even says stuff like this, like, you know, you will be transformed. I mean, not that exact 94% language. of Antioch graduates. Yeah. <laughs> Now, bottom line, is it is it worth the money and the time? For many people, it absolutely is worth the money and the time. But it's not likely to transform you. It's right. probably a part of an ongoing process of, of self-awareness that you need to participate in. It's one component, and it might not be for you. Um, and know that just because it creates an emotional experience that's new to you and feels good, that doesn't necessarily mean you're transformed or that your life is going to be miraculously different from that point forward. It's a wonderful experience. And I've had those. As a therapist myself, I've been through a lot of these experiences as a student, as a, as a colleague, as a client, as a therapist. You know, When you have an emotional cathartic experience, it feels good. You know, you cry, you sob, you laugh, right. you're elated. It feels good and it's healthy. But my life the next week is not any different. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Uh, I'm probably a little more emotionally healthy. I might be a little bit more open, but it's a part of an ongoing lifelong process of being authentic. It's not just these seminars. So if these seminars teach you to do it ongoing, then great. Um, but you know, just having one emotional experience it, that doesn't like unleash your sanity. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. If you have a hate mail, send them to Trump at Trump.com. Just joking. One of us. One of us. Now, you can send, you can just send an email, contact at psychologyinseattle.com. Tell us about your good experiences you've had with Landmark. Yeah. Yeah, or whatever. Um, but... 
again, if you have just a bunch of like, how dare you critique something that should absolutely be critiqued, then, you know, keep your fucking words to yourself. Uh, I, I don't want to hear it. If you have an actual, like, if you want to have a dialogue back and forth with me, great. If you want to offer some data, great. If you, But be respectful. Use your social skills, people. Social skills. Because we all deserve it. Also, take care of yourself. Why should they take care of themselves, bro? Because you deserve it.